welcome to our first collaboration. Uh, we have three members of Grand Pass. The Grand Pass podcast. Grand Stand. Grand Stand. Salon Pass, total football. Hi everyone, my name is Kavinka Fernando and I am a Liverpool fan, as you can see with the posters at the back. Hi guys, uh, my name is Shabin Webster and uh, I'm an Arsenal fan. Hi guys, uh, I'm Abhishek Fernandez and I'm a Barcelona fan. Um, so, uh, Kavinka, why don't you take it off? What do you think about the resurgence of the top six? The new top six. Yeah, so, I mean... The, the new top six, we saw Aston Villa make a statement early on, uh, sadly, at the expense of Liverpool, with a 7-2 win there. And also Everton, who's been uh, firing all cylinders with uh, you know James Rodriguez and uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. But I think it's mostly up to the coach, Carlo Ancelotti, right? You're bringing in a man who has won multiple Serie A titles, Champions League titles and the, a man who has managed the likes of Kaka, Maldini and Pirlo, right? So this must be just a cakewalk for him to get, uh, you know, a, a small, a relatively smaller club to uh, a, a big uh, level, a top level. So I think that's that's one factor. And I think Aston Villa, it's part, it, it has to do with the researchers of Jack Grealish lately. Uh, Grealish, I don't think I will give him too much time at Aston Villa. He has to move on and he will move on. Otherwise, it's going to just going to become a, a case of like Wilfred Zaha, we see at Crystal Palace. But uh, speaking in general about the top six, I think it, it, they've taken the right mentality with everything going on, you know, the pandemic and things like that. But you know, uh, to a few months back, we the Grandstand Podcast actually made a point saying that uh, it's to do with the fans. The number of fans are less, but I don't see that that being a factor because you know they do have around thirty to fifty thousand fans inside the stadium chanting out their names, but I, I really don't think the fact that fans are not there it doesn't make much of a difference. But in general, I think they have taken that mentality well, and it's it has to do with their their coaches. Uh, you know they can be inconsistent at times, and that's what separates the the initial top six with the new top six. With, uh, especially with regard to all these new clubs, it depends on how what happens next season and what happens in January. Like, who they sell and how they recover. A team that's done quite well with that in that regard is uh, Leicester because even though they sold key players in that aspect, they still signed some good players. With, with regard to signings, guys, who do you think has been like the most important signing uh, I would like to add into the point where Aston Villa have signed uh, Ross Barkley, who has yeah. been immense for them, um, and Matty Cash, who has also been uh, like a really good fullback. He's like he shows another um, pathway for the ball to progress, and uh, he takes more shots, takes the same amount of shots as Grealish, uh, has the almost the same output, uh, and he he has been that more of a talisman for that team as well. Um, other than that, I think Leicester um, have signed uh, Harvey Barnes. Harvey Barnes has been a very good addition to that team. 
And um, in terms of defence, I know Harry Maguire has uh, been a bit topsy-turvy at United. Um, I would argue that he's been okay to the most part, uh, even though lots of people do like to criticise him. But at Leicester, uh, having said that, he was a very good defensive uh, uh, unit at uh, at Leicester. So he suited the style a Exactly. He does. Exactly. Yeah. I think we spoke a few weeks about how he suited Leicester style more than United style, and how they're kind of adapting to that again, so that he could fit into that style. Um, but going back to Leicester, I think uh, uh, they they signed uh, the Turkish fellow. Uh, what's his name, Adil? Soyuncu. Soyuncu, exactly. Soyuncu, uh, who has been almost alike for like uh, replacement for him. And um, even even without him, they signed uh, Wesley Fofana, who has been excellent as well. He's uh, joined seamlessly into their team. Uh, so I think Castagna either because then Benchil. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, but but adding on to so, sorry, Adi, but adding on to Dulinas point, I think um, Ricardo Pereira, he is missing in that that team for now. And uh, like you said, Fofana, Fofana although he is really impressive. I watched him during the Liverpool game and he was having so much of trouble with Robertson yeah. and Mane on that side. And it was it was really hard for him to cope with it. So, uh, Ricardo Pereira needs to come back. I think that's one of the key things because yeah. he scores goals and he assists. He's, yeah. he's more like a Robertson is to Liverpool, but he is to, to Leicester. So, yeah, also, I think, I mean, a guy uh, who's been kind of under the radar, we didn't really mention. His name is Callum Wilson. I think he's been doing you know, pretty well for Newcastle, right? Yeah. And uh, seven goals, two assists this season. Um, I think he's a, I mean, a pretty good signing. Uh, I think they signed him for like 15 million, 20. if I'm not mistaken. So, 20. yeah, I think 20 million. Okay, so when, relatively in the current market, a pretty a pretty decent signing, right? For the output that he's given. So, I believe Asavila has Ollie Watkins, which, who they brought in. He has yeah. been pretty good. Yeah, he's we saw that in the Liverpool game. I think, uh, and also Everton, the biggest signing with Hammers. Uh, it just goes to show that you need to have good signings, you know, people that can make a difference. Sometimes, you know, managers say, you know, I want to work with the team I have. The team is good enough. But those signings, they have proven to make a difference in games, you know, those, uh, especially in big games where they need to win. Um, it's very evident. Signings. Yeah, yeah. It was very evident with like the, the top six previous top six as well with United getting Bruno um, uh, middle of uh, last season and he saw how much of an output he had and in fact he had on the team and the league in all. Um, yeah. So I have, a, I have a small question for you. Do you remember a few years ago post uh, the Marcel Souls Suarez you started slowly buying a few players building up a team filling in the gaps do you notice a similarity here? But in this, this season, we have we seem to have like a lot of players that have invested quite smartly in their team and they've built up good teams. Do you see, as a Liverpool fan, do you see a similarity in what you all did? Like how you all progressed from a team that was up and down a lot to a more consistent team? Or Yeah, I mean, for sure, because... Uh... It's like I said, it's smart signings, right? For example, and I actually screenshotted this and I keep it with me. Uh, Bayern didn't go for Pepe. Sorry, Shavi, but Bayern didn't go for Pepe because he needed too much space in the final third. Pepe is a player who operates well 
with space. Bayern in the Bundesliga doesn't have space in that final third. And of course, Pepe can't operate. That's partly why Pepe has failed this season. Or even like last season, right? I mean, he got praised for that Van Dijk challenge. Right? He just passed Van Dijk. But that's because he got space. <laughs> that's probably the only highlight of, of, his, of his Premier League career so far. I'm going to lie, right? So, it's smart signings. And, and Jurgen Klopp is a firm believer of smart signings. Because he, we, the amount of players that Liverpool have been linked to, it's like almost as if, like, as if Manchester United was linked to everyone. Because you see in the transfer window where Manchester United is linked to every single person, right? This season it was Liverpool. Liverpool is linked to every single person. Even Van der Beek, for that matter. And, and Bruno Fernandes. But Klopp knows how he needs his players to operate. And I think this is what uh, Carlo Ancelotti is doing at Everton. With the fact that, uh, you, you know, he brought in Allen and Dokure, Proper defensive midfielders. And he just needed a, a, an attacking midfielder. And he brought in uh, James Rodriguez. And of course, he had to build up his own team, but whatever he had at the time, you know, with Lucas Dinia, with you know, he's he's been good this season. So it's a mixture of see, uh, of signings as well as what you have at that moment. Because if you don't like what you have at that moment, you need to get rid of them. And to add on to your point, I mean, you know, just doing a comparison, I think between Liverpool and Man City, I feel like Klopp is so much smarter with his signings than Pep is, because like the players that he gets are the players that he like he exactly needs, right? Because like you say, guys like Wijnaldum who aren't like really high-profile players, but they come in and they, you know, they do the job for the team. Whereas, you know, City goes out and spends like so much money on players and they, you know, end up selling them uh, much quicker. I mean, just look at the amount of like defensive changes and the amount of um, you know, money they've spent on the defence, right? So, I feel like that's one thing that Klopp is praised about, that he's so smart with his, uh, with his signing. But you can't come like when Klopp started that team, there was not much expected of them. They weren't expected to win the league. Klopp built them up and brought them and made them that team. It's kind of like City were expected to win the league when Pep came in. And when he did come in, he had to change a lot. And he's been quite unlucky in terms of like his defenders getting injured. And like City players seem to get injured quite often and then underperform. And they don't really settle. But you can look at it like how United were after Alex Ferguson left. They were still expected to win, but they needed a lot of changes done and the manager that came in didn't do the changes right. And they're still struggling. So maybe you should compare City and United. And United, City could be what United are, but they are actually somewhat challenging. But uh, I don't... I mean, right now you can, but when if you, you think that, when it comes to managers and clubs, like I really like what um, Nuno is doing with Wolves, but it's uh, a team that's mainly filled with Portuguese players, and it's it's quite a fine line because if it doesn't work out with what happened with Nuno's previous team, I think Valencia, if it doesn't work out, it's another complete shift. Because it brought in a, yeah. some good players. But if it doesn't work out, what's going to happen with Wolves once he moves on? I don't think Wolves are going to do as well. Because even Adama Traore is struggling. I think he's playing right back instead of right wing back. 
and he doesn't have the freedom to get up as much uh, anymore. And Simedo is there as well, so I'm not sure what's happening there. But all I know is he's not performing as well, and he was a key player last season. So he might move. Probably he like United another year. <laughs> and uh, I don't think Pools will do well compared to the rest of the teams that are up there. But even and they're probably just star, right? I mean, around who is like goal machine for Liverpool now. They're tenth at the moment. Yes. Yeah. So the, the Portuguese, the Portuguese influence can mostly be boiled down to uh, the the impact George Mendes has on that club because he's like um, a major influence in that club. He he also manages most of those players, including Nuno Espirito as well. Uh, he's like he's the manager's. Uh, Manager, agent. Um, so I think that can be kind of like it's more of a influence based thing, and they're like making the most of that. Yeah. So um, he uh, so that that can be boiled down mostly into that one. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think I do think they're not performing as they should be, mostly because as Abhishek mentioned. Uh, They've lost Jota, who has been a very key goal input as well. Because he, even if even he came off the bench, he used to score almost every game. Um, and uh, Raul Jimenez hasn't been scoring as much. He hasn't had the desired input he, he usually requires. And that can be blamed to Martinho not playing. He's been on the bench most of the time. He's like their chief creator. And they haven't really replaced him, even though he's like 34 or something. Um... Yeah. So, James, back to you, I guess. Um, but yeah, even if you look at the standings, uh, Wolves are 10th and right below them is Leeds, Newcastle, United, Arsenal, Palace. Like, they're all teams that could trade that position with Wolves. So, uh, I don't expect them to stay in the top 10. Uh, they might hang around close to it, but I think Wolves will drop out um, and don't think they'll have a, the same impact that the rest will have. But even, As for Southampton... Sorry, yeah. before that, uh, Everton, even Everton's quite a mismatch at the moment. Uh, because it's, it's very yeah. hard because I, I don't think um, Everton's still fully stable without their three... But I think Everton will stay in that top 10, top 8. It's very know, hard to say. Not top five, they lost yesterday as well. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Calvert. Yeah, Twin didn't score and uh, they lost. Yeah, they lost to Leeds. One nil. One nil. Uh, to Leeds. And they lost their last four matches. So it's a very downhill at the moment because they started off strong. And one part could be that the team's not gelling at the moment. Same with Wolves. They brought in like five new players. And uh, they brought in Fabio Silva, who was apparently a wonder kid. But I guess with time, we'll see. Um, I'm more confident about Wolves surviving, roughing it out than Everton at the moment. Given that, really, uh, I have a slight yeah. This is yeah, yeah that's that's what I mentioned about the the fine line between the top clubs and clubs like Everton, Wolverhampton. That consistency, right? Like as you mentioned, are uh, the the four games lost in a row? Yeah, that's not top. Uh, top football standard that you should be sticking to. You should at least fight it, fight it out for for a point or even a draw. I mean, 
Leeds are not that hard of a side to beat, but you know they still have their. I think it boils down to self confidence also because Leeds are not the the, the most star striking. They don't have the most star striking names, right? So it boils down to the players' self confidence as well. I guess, but then again, you could always argue it's Ancelotti versus Bielsa. Both are quite the powerhouses when it comes to tactics and experience. And Everton haven't been shy with their budgets either. Just to finish up on, on the smaller clubs. Um, so, like I was saying, Southampton were doing quite well. Uh, Adams and Inge both scoring. Hmm. Actually, have Adams in my FPL. Shout out. <laughs> It looks like Shea Adams has picked up the pace compared to last yeah. season where he was but like pretty shit. They haven't lost in the last five games. Yeah, well. exactly. So, mm-hmm. like, they they could usually... Re- they were playing a two-striker a two formation, right? So, now I think they've reverted into a, where Shea Adams is more central um, and plays where Danny Ings is playing and where he got into more chances and stuff. So, who knows? Like, it, it's obviously going to have an impact. The uh, fact that Danny Ings isn't there. But... Uh, I think they won't struggle as much yes. um, because I trust Hassan Hotel's tactics, um, especially with that team. So I think it's just a little unpredictable yeah. considering it is. It's we can't, we can't say whether they'll maintain it, but I I think we'll see them in the top ten for sure yeah. at the end of the season. The backward has been performing for this season. Like I've got some reports oh. that Westergaard and Bednarak have been performing quite well. And they performed quite well last year. Westergaard performed well last season as well. Yeah, Westergaard was immense at uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. That guy watched him play in the Bundesliga. He's he's six foot four, which I mean that's a huge factor, right? He and he's good in set pieces. He has not really been uh, that good in Premier League set pieces, but he was really good in uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. A quick point to note as a La- last team we will note here, Aston Villa. Um, what are your just in- initial thoughts on Aston Villa? Is they're doing quite well, they're up and coming. But if you look at them, they've only lost one game less than Everton in the last five, and they're one place below Everton. They've lost three out of the last two, uh, last five matches, and they've won two. I think the thing about Villa is the fact that they have been, I mean, doing well against the big teams. I mean, they thrashed Liverpool and they beat Arsenal, and they look exciting to watch. No, I feel like Grealish, Barkley, Watkins. It's like a that team is. that kind of excites you. They're like for me. I feel like they're a bit like Leicester in uh, fifteen, sixteen. I, I get that vibe from them. You know, I don't know if that's accurate. Just to say. not as consistent. I would say they're they're good, but just not as consistent to. Yeah. I don't think they're really up there, but I think they'll be there and about causing trouble for sure. I, I I really enjoy watching Villa games uh, right like this season, mostly because like you can see how well uh, Grealish, Watkins, and Barkley have been connecting um, in that team, and I think Barkley being injured, as I mentioned before, might be a possible cause for them to uh, start losing matches or like not getting good results now. But we'll see how it is. It's very unpredictable at the moment. But then again, they also have quite a few new signings. So, I feel like the second half of the season would be really the time to watch Villa perform. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see Leeds as well because they play such like energetic football. Like They give so much into it. I, I don't think they'll keep it up in the second half. So, 
it'll be interesting to see whether by that time the title race is decided or by that time you know like how it goes it just really really unpredictable just like the rest you need to i think that's why the guys of winter break as well winter break has to be used to the fullest especially during these times like the fixture congestion is crazy so uh so it will take good management to use i think it depends on it you are right it depend on the management and how they uh, control their players during that winter break especially like they'll need to prioritize resting and recovering it happens where they get really bad sick and they are out for 3 weeks and then their recovery time after that they are weak they can't perform and two months of that play is lost then that would be a real really big problem for teams so they need to really manage their players going into the uh, winter break so i think whichever teams where the morale is good and the uh, relationship between manager club and the board is good they are really going to be the team that award us is best cuz talking about squads and you know management i think that's where the big six actually have an advantage because they have the bigger squads and they have players you know who can fit in into different places if in case they lose a player due to injury we see that with liverpool i mean they lost so much of players who start and who have like proper proper players in their team but they've managed to you know like weather the storm they've had a few losses they lost in the champions league they had uh, the disappointment against uh, brighton yesterday but uh, more or less they managed to still continue that winning run and still maintain that so uh, shall we yeah any i didn't think of uh, arsenal's goal of the month sorry arsenal's goal of the month oh my god <laughs> i mean no i think clearly goals have been the problem right uh <laughs> if you ask me to point to one issue in the team i don't know if i can point to one thing and say okay this is why this team is doing badly because uh it's a combination of a lot of things i think they're missing an ozil in the team for sure uh if you watch an arsenal game if, okay if you watch the united game right i mean they played pretty decently but what they were doing was they were sending the ball to the wings and they were just crossing it in. they just kept crossing the ball in. a big problem with arsenal crossing is yeah. that is like the arsenal style to cross a play they they have a more intricate like a more technical style of playing they it says they yeah. need those playmakers in their team and uh they don't have ozil so fine if you're not going to play ozil you need to get another player in that will yeah. perform 100% so, and they don't really have that they have they have saka but he's a young kid they have obomayang who's not really performing that well what's happening with lakazet Is he is he playing or is he on the bench? I like think Arteta like 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 a goal threat. Lacazette and uh, Aubameyang haven't really found their groove under Arteta. I think, especially with the you know using like Arsenal have a lot of attacking talent, right? I think you can agree with Pepe. I'm not saying Pepe hasn't found his potential yet, but Pepe is good. and uh lacazette can score and so can aubameyang but they clearly haven't found like the balance you know to make these guys work i agree they were amazing in real madrid <laughs> what <laughs> oh god <laughs> arteta arteta is just a spanish tony pulis guys okay <laughs> no okay okay but, 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 but arsenal was great 
Yeah, I think I think Arteta has definitely um, improved uh, what Arsenal are as a club because they were in shambles. Honestly, like people say that uh, Emery can do it was doing a better job, but he wasn't really. He was like that club was in shambles. People were like going at each other's throats at some point. So I think Arteta has definitely improved that discipline. Uh, but speaking of discipline, I'm not not on field because he's got like three red cards. You could argue that those are all. Uh, uh, it's like out of the blue to be honest but I, I think in terms of like playing for that club and wanting to play for that club I think he's definitely improved that that atmosphere uh, we touched upon that I think a, a, a while ago in like when we talked about our managers um, like episode 2 was up but um, I think yeah as Shavin mentioned Auba and Lacazette have been struggling this season mostly because uh, they don't have a good Creator, like chief creator. There's no Ozil being played. Shabayos is like playing more as a number eight. He picks up the ball and like just runs across with it. He just but then at the end, Aubameyang is like playing at left back for some reason sometimes. So like who knows what's happening at the end. <laughs> so uh, it's it's not even surprising that their goal of the month is just. Uh, a penalty because they just literally all this scored but in no, no, that's instead of Manu fan who was it scored against penalty it was us <laughs> I know I know well played well played that's a so- well solid counter attacking football <laughs> sorry um, that had that was more threatening than anything Arsenal have produced this season <laughs> I mean counter oh. attacking <laughs> United had no defensive Look, I, I, yeah, I don't have a, a rebuttal to that. I, I have been most of this podcast has been how um, I, of me saying how shit, shit United are at the moment. <laughs> so, um, Shabit, I have a question for you. Yes, go for it. my curiosity, right? Generally, why do you think the issue with United is like? What would you say? I'm just curious. How oh, manufactured. Um, inconsistency, I think, uh, more than anything, and that comes down to two things. I think one is that one Solskjaer Pogba. is not one is Pogba, but then <laughs> forget Pogba. Zulana, <laughs> uh, uh, would you say it's Ole? No, that's what. So that's what I said. It's two things, right? It's Ole being. I think I definitely think Ole is uh, playing these players to the best of their ability. He's improved. Uh, these attacking players tenfold. Like you can see, Rashford getting into great spaces and um, also finishing at some point. But uh, the attacking is so much more fluid than it was under Mourinho. Uh, but I do not think he's a good tactician. He's when it comes to big games and where he needs to adapt to a game, he does not have that game plan. But I don't know if that's someone like Pochettino could come and improve that uh, with the players he has. I probably he, he could. I guess it's just that at this point, I don't think Oli will like lose his job unless United go on like a really bad run of games and um, end up like uh, at the bottom half of the table around uh, around fifth. <laughs> I have a question for you. Yeah, I know we have different perspectives on what. Bad is, but um, you mean like if they drop below Arsenal or if they drop a couple of spots into relegation? Like, what defines bad for you at this point? I think if they don't win the league in League Two next season. Like, what is it that gets only fired? 
I don't think Oli will get fired. I think uh, at this stage, at this run of games, like he ha- he's not going to get fired. How is he going to get fired? He's got like so many good results all over Leipzig. He's got he's won over PSG, but he's also played shit against uh, teams like uh, West Brom, who have been have been getting in goals. And Arsenal. Well, he has that game was like a bit topsy turvy until Papa came and like uh, made it about himself again. Um, yeah, I think it, it's really hard to fire a manager like that when, uh, especially when you have a board who is like very, who are not sure of themselves and like who aren't really. Uh, they're not really football. Yeah, they're not really football. <laughs> but, but but then so, but then you have a club like Leicester who who saved whose manager saved them from relegation and then you fire him yeah right so, I think it was Nigel the world of yeah. the world of football is very unforgiving yeah uh, it, it's like it's it's very it's some some people find loyalty over anything so. It it also helps that Oli is a club legend, or he's been a player who has been at that club for a while, and he's been supporting that club ever since he was a kid. And he's grown up as a, a player who enriches that United DNA in, in captions, if whatever you want to call it. I think that's a very tough decision, and whenever people mention firing Oli, there's always that debate. Um, so who knows? At the end of the day, as I said, it, it's where they finish up, right? Uh, so there will be, I think, a look into how Oli will be um, going or if he will stay or not at the end of the season, I think. I don't think he will be fired um, mid-season because that would put us into another crisis. Shavin, uh, we touched a bit on um, Arsenal and their issues. As a fan of Arsenal, what would you like to see happen? As of this season, I would like us to score more goals. But uh, I think in general, no, I think Arteta needs to stay. I I mean, not to draw comparisons, but I think Arteta could be somewhat of like a Jurgen Klopp for Arsenal because I think his philosophy is good. I think he has the players with him. I just think it will take some time uh, for him to, you know, get the team to you know, gel together. Uh, he himself, he said in a press conference yesterday, right? He said that something is missing from the team, and clearly Arsenal is not—they're not scoring goals. So I think he needs to figure out, you know, tactically what's wrong with the team and put the right players in. Um, for sure, I think if we are not playing Ozil, I think we need to sell him. He's the highest earner in the club. And you know, with the whole financial situation of COVID, I don't think it's a wise choice to keep someone like that. You know, when you could be uh, you know, paying the wages to a player who you could not paying at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Shavin, you mentioned that Arteta needs to figure out the problem and figure out what's wrong. What do you think is wrong? Why and what would you do to fix it? What would I, I think um, defensively? I've seen an improvement this season. Uh, I think Gabriel Holding works as a centre-back partnership. I, I like it. Um, just, I mean, they're obviously not as experienced, not very experienced, but I think it works. Um, I think they need to definitely sign a midfielder, whether it's in January or in, uh, in the an summer. An attacking outfit? Yeah, or would you... yeah an what, attacking what? option. I think uh, we spoke about this on the 
Pandit Ranson episode as well. Uh, I said maybe Grealish or uh, someone like um, was it Pusem um, or they were targeting. You're you're uh, actually uh, interested yeah. in uh, uh, Victor Soboslai. Oh yeah, the RB Salzburg dude. Oh yeah, he's impressed. He's impressed in the Euros for Hungary, and he looks like a real threat if he comes to Premier League. But, but the, like my guy. opinion, yeah. Um, no, in my opinion, I think Arsenal need. I I don't think Arsenal need a player who's gonna come in, and uh, I don't think they need to play with potential. I think they need a player who's performing right now. Because when Pepe came in, Pepe had potential, and they were like, "Oh, Pepe is gonna be great. He's gonna." But he didn't, right? He didn't adjust to the Premier League, so they need someone who who is going to come in, and like you know, he's going to perform. So, like a Grealish, because you know, if Grealish goes there, Grealish will do well because he's doing well with Villa. Uh, How much I of a long term situation do you think that is, Shalvin? You are brought in Obama Yang. You are brought in Lacazette, right? Yeah. Uh, How much of a long term situation? If you look at you, you brought in Sanchez, Ozil. They were great for a few seasons. Sanchez moved on. Brazil dropped. You brought yeah. in Obama, Lacazette. They were great for a few seasons. It's gone back. Will it be the same with Grealish? Do you think you just need to build, re like rebuild the team like Liverpool are doing, or do you think you have a fairly decent team? You just need that attacking flair because your attacking player that dropped off as well, the ones you expect like Obama. That's an interesting question. Um, See, I think I still feel Aubameyang is our best player. Right? I mean, last season he was so good. I just think he needs to find form again. I think um, I don't know, not to be like cliche, but I think form is temporary, class is permanent. And I think we can agree that Aubameyang is world class player, right? He's a good striker, and he's the reason that you know Arsenal did as okay as they did last season as well. So definitely, I think I'm not saying that he can play really well for another five six seasons. He is you know uh, on the wrong side of thirty, but uh, I think the team needs to be built around him, and maybe provide him with you know someone uh, who can create chances for him. As for Lacazette, that is a bit more delicate. Uh, maybe they could. I'm not saying that we don't need him. I'm saying maybe they could move him on if Arteta doesn't feel like he's contributing to the team. Yeah. Uh, no, but I still feel like he he, um, he has scored you no know, crucial goals for us and. Uh, like I said, I, I, I feel like it's all in Arteta's hands to bring out the best in the players and he needs to show like why Arsenal picked him over you know, experienced managers and why they feel that he is the guy to lead the team forward. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I think maybe a few signs could be made at, uh, in terms of uh, you know an attacking midfielder and so on. But uh, overall, I think, yeah, I think, I don't think we need to revamp the squad. To answer your question, no, I don't think we need to revamp the squad. From your point of view of building the team around Aubameyang, I suppose what you could do is move Lacazette on, build the team around Aubameyang and find a suitable replacement for him and replace Lacazette with that player so that they keep for Aubameyang rather, so that they have a player to fill in those shoes when he does move on in three years, four years or when he can't hack it anymore. So... Maybe you know if we can hope that Martinelli can you know, eventually step in as a main number nine for the team. But I, I I see where you're coming from in terms of Lacazette. Yes, if he's not working, we could move him on, and I think we could get a decent price for him as well. So yeah, I I I would have to agree with what you said there. Just one last question then. Uh, where do you think you're going to finish the season? Um, I would say realistically sixth. Sixth. Okay. 
So, realistically speaking, I don't think anyone else agrees with you. But at the end of the season, if you all do turn up in six or better, you have this small clip to post and tag everyone. So you, there's that. Alternately, if you don't, we will clip this and we will post and tag you. That's fair. That's fair. Moving on, guys. What do you think about the new substitute rule from three to five? Are you all a fan? Are you not a fan? Personally, I love. And fan, fan, I'm, I'm gonna just jump in and just say fan, because we, for one thing, we need it. Uh, but there's a, there's a problem with that. The fact that we don't have players to field five substitutes. That's also uh, because somebody asked whether Nathaniel Phillips was a guy, a homeless guy, we picked off the street because he, his, his face, right. Uh, coming to the point of the five sub, <laughs> it, it, Premier League, the five sub thing, uh, obviously favors a team with more depth. But because that's what Andrew Townsend had to say when uh, Klopp actually appealed the three sub change. A team like Crystal Palace against a team with a fully fit Liverpool, when the five sub rule is implemented, it's quite difficult um, for a lower, a lower tier team to actually defend their position if they're leading or even if it's a draw in a match. Uh, but in saying that, um, for a team in the proper top six, like the usual North London clubs and uh, Merseyside clubs, uh, when it comes to the Champions League and the other uh, platform competitions, having five subs can actually help rest their players for a longer period of time when it comes to facing teams that are um, more threatening towards uh, Silverback. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I think uh, adding to the point, Klopp uh, actually said just that was that you know that uh, pretty uh, popular interview they had with BT Sport. He what he said was you know he is not doing this for a tactical reason. He needs to protect his players. Uh, he said he would have obviously uh, brought off uh, Firmino if he had the five uh, substitutions because he needs to protect them. And uh, I think it's really necessary just because of the fact that you know with this COVID situation right now. They need to protect their players because a lot of players are getting COVID, and after getting COVID, they you know they they are brought back into the team because they because they are important. They but it, that, yeah, exactly, and it and the fact that they are recovering from this disease, it's a physical toll, right? It, you, it's not easy to recover from any disease, but um, more or less, this is a, a disease that affects the you know the lungs and you know your respiratory system, and you're asked to play a physical game. Over 90 minutes, you need to ha- uh, have a way of bringing them off after they've made an impact. So, I totally think that this should be implemented. And I think the Premier League is kind of, uh, they're very, uh, I mean, silent about it because Klopp had mentioned that the vote currently, I mean, the vote they had last week was standing at 15 to 5, which is way more than the majority. Uh, so, it's up to the Premier League now to actually like make the difference. Because all the other leagues have it. You take La Liga, you take Liga, and you take Syria. All of them have it. So, I don't know why the Premier League would not opt to have this. Just to backtrack to Adil's point on how uh, they said that it won't really favour the uh, small teams. Uh, for one, I think that's not entirely accurate. For one, the bigger teams are at a disadvantage because they have more fixtures. Even though they do have more depth, more quality of players, they do have more fixtures as well. I think you can overcome the... Uh, the five sub rule by making your tactics better. It's basically you have to change up your tactics. You, you may not start your best team. You may start a team 
that uh, is more fit. For Isn't that thing, a fair point? It favors any player. It favors all players. You either get to rest more or you get to play more as a substitute. And that would mean you get to give out your young give to youngsters more time. Say you have three substitutions you need to make, and you have a fourth kid just on the bench. He gets to play. Maybe they even make the bench uh, larger than in seven players. I'm not too sure, but they to accommodate it, more they people, make it yeah. it makes it makes it uh, allows people to come in play. It makes the entire squad bigger, and it's not just four players. Even though it uh, does help them, it can eventually help pretty much every player. It just depends on how people adapt to it and uh, deal. With it. But uh, you said that uh, they don't have to play their best eleven at the start. But imagine they play a fully fit Liverpool against a not so great uh, team B, almost low low tier team. They could demolish. You don't. Them. You don't. You don't uh, necessarily play like your weakest team. You, you yeah. could play your fittest team, your most uh, physical team. You could take out a player who would, you know, probably defend better, and then you could bring him on. Whereas Liverpool, yes, they'll bring on players as well, but then so will you. You get it because either way, if you look at it, if you play your best team against their best team, Liverpool's best team against, say, Bolton's best team, okay? There's going to be a massive difference either way. So, if you're saying, oh, Liverpool can bring in five players, so can you, okay? Liverpool's team, players are always going to be better than you. It's, it's just a matter of how you adapt to it. So, it's just going to be another strategic thing as well. How you make your decisions, like how do you deal with the 11? Either way, the team only plays with 11 players on the pitch. And to say that, you know, it's unfair that Liverpool can bring on five more world-class players. And then that's basically you saying, okay, so are you saying only the 11 players in your team are good enough to be to defend? Or are you going to have faith in your players who are not as, uh, who haven't made it to the first level and give them the chance to play? It's, it's, it's basically that. It'll, it'll push teams away from having that uh, major, like, Reliance on that one good player. It's kind of like, you know, the small teams won't have that one really good striker, that one really good midfielder who, like, saves the day for them. It'll push teams to becoming more overall balanced and developing in all areas. That's yeah, my take. I think, yeah, so like that that whole, like, we're going to play 11 players out of 15 and the four of them are not good enough. That's why on the bench is a very lazy sort of... Outcry from the managers who are not as tactically flexible as the others, honestly. Because, like, why can't you just play one of your better players in the bench for one game and then bring him on and then make sure you spread out that talent and that ability throughout the 50 players that you have available in the squad? Um, so, yeah, I agree with James there. It's uh, uh, for yeah, five just, for five. yeah, for sure. Yeah, because I mean for five. Yeah, for five. Uh, what do you do? You, do you are you are you do you think it's a good idea? Or do you just think no, that think it can go both? Better idea than having three because three is I also feel yeah. like a bit restrictive as well. You know, in a sense. Yeah, it's just a game. It's just a game developing, and it needs to develop because the level of physicality that's needed now, you need to protect the players. So yeah. more than. More than anything, the players should come first. And I think this is showing that. 
And just to add on, I mean, uh, I think Abhishek also mentioned it earlier. It's just the Premier League that's adopting this, right? I mean, all the other leagues are doing it. Like, why? What is the difference in the Premier League smaller clubs to the other smaller clubs? Like, why can't why can't they adapt as well? If you look at it, I mean, the Premier League clubs, in terms of other clubs, are more financially well off. So it's a matter of manage the top management to bottom itself. It's it's a whole. The whole organization itself just needs to manage it better than just uh, focusing on just the players and the manager itself. I also have a personal opinion that uh, Premier League, the Premier League, is more rigid because they feel like they have this tendency to be more old-fashioned, and that is why their football clubs don't develop as well. In my personal opinion, like the lower teams, like if I look at La Liga, and I look at like the smaller clubs in La Liga. They all play quite good football, whereas in in England, like the mentality is a little different. It's kind of like get it to the byline, cross it in and head, put pressure on. It's just it's more of a physical aspect than a technical aspect. Whereas uh, it should be a mix of both. And I think if this decision goes through for the Premier League, it'll be another win for football overall, so that they can develop the sport more and push out that little. Bit of old-fashionedness that's happening. Yeah. Next topic, interesting one. Okay. Spurs. Does anybody have anything they'd like to say about Spurs? Sell on pass. Total football.